Hi, today is July 14th. I'm Cheryl Goldstein, EVP Member Engagement and Development here at the IAB. Welcome to IAB There, our daily live stream in which we connect the digital advertising ecosystem. And I'm coming to you live from Asbury Park, which is very appropriate for today's discussion. I have joining me the guy behind music's most iconic songs, the composer for the soundtrack to Dirty Dancing's hit songs, Hungry Eyes and the Time of My Life. I'm talking about Mr. Frankie Previtt. He's an Oscar and Golden Globe winner. He was the lead singer of the 80s hitmakers, Frankie and the Knockouts, and he's a legend here in the Jersey Shore. Frankie is leading a very important initiative called Voices for One World. It's a global anthem for change that's gonna benefit several important causes. So let's talk to Frankie about what he's up to. Hey, Frankie, how are you? Hey, Cheryl, good to see you. Greetings from Asbury Park. Yes, I heard Bruce Springsteen's coming over. Awesome. As long as he stays six feet, well, I'll make an exception. No mask, and I'm willing to do to go close. Anyway, Frankie, so first, of course, I know the audience is going to want to know, because who doesn't want to know, what inspired you to write these amazing songs, Time of My Life, Hungry Eyes, uh, I don't think I've ever been to a wedding where they didn't play Time of My Life or where that wasn't the wedding song. So what inspired you to write these iconic hits? Uh, I had about $100 in my bank account. <laughs> that's motivation. <laughs> really what happened, and that's true. Um, I was in between record deals, and um, the gentleman that closed his label, Jimmy Einer, uh, called me out of the blue two years later and said to me, uh, I have this little movie I'd like you to write a song for. And I said, Jimmy, I'm really, really too busy. I'm trying to get a record deal. And I've already written like, you know, five or six songs for the next record. One of those songs I wrote for that next record was a song called Hungry Eyes mm -hmm. that nobody liked. <laughs> which... <laughs> that goes to show you, right? There How you many go. people are kicking themselves now that said, and that'll never hit? Yeah, exactly. And so uh, I went on to tell him I was just too busy and he kept on saying, this is going to change your life. And I said, okay, Jimmy, what's the name of the movie? And he said to me, Dirty Dancing with enthusiasm. And I put my hand on my forehead and I went, oh no, Jimmy's doing porn. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was doing a porn flick. But little did I know that. Did that inspire you to write Time of My Life? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess it did. Um, so I called John Nicola, who I had written Hungry Eyes with, and I said, John, we have an opportunity. And I said, Here, here's the deal. They want it to be the last scene, and that runs seven minutes. So it's a long song. So we have to write like a MacArthur Park kind of song. <laughs> And so on the way uh, to the studio, John had sent me a track and I'm listening to the track and on the Garden State Parkway, exit 140, I put this cassette into my dashboard and I go, nin in the time of my life, nin in the time of my life. And so I'm scribbling time of my life on an envelope, not knowing what this movie was about. And I have to tell you really, Cheryl, the man upstairs wrote the song because... <laughs> I would have never come up with this song. Well, I hope and you weren't driving when you did this, right? You pulled I, over and it came through you? Just just paid the toll at the 140 exit in Union, New Jersey. 
Lisa keeps saying there should be a, a plaque there right. for when you wrote this song. But that's where it happened. That's, that's where the man upstairs sent this seed to me that created time of my life. Well, I'm going to go park myself at exit 140 and see if I get <laughs> such inspiration. <laughs> so that's awesome. And you were also, of course, Frankie and the Knockout Sweetheart was probably the most famous song from those days. Right. right. So back in the um, 1981, that same guy, Jimmy Einer, signed me to his label, Millennium Records, mm -hmm. and uh, gave me a record deal. And uh, the last song that I wrote before we were going in to record was Sweetheart. And I brought it in, and, and he said to me, good song, a little too pop for a rock and roll band, and you want to be a rock and roll band? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I, I can't tell you that it's not a hit record, but are you sure you want to put that bullet in the gun? And I said, load it, we'll deal with it later. <laughs> so, you know, the song went top 10 for us, and it, and it established Frankie and the Knockouts, and we had two more hits after that. Yeah, so, you were on American Bandstand. I mean, come on. That's really Yeah, big. we did American Bandstand was, you know, the first gig because it, I, there was a two-year period where I was writing these songs. And um, I was writing and writing. And Bert Padell, who was my business manager at the time, did something for me in, in two weeks that I couldn't do in two years. He got me a record deal. Wow. And so... I was selling cars out of my driveway to, to make enough money to take my voice lessons and pay my rent. So it was uh, quite a haul, but uh, you know, I'm a very persistent and you know, you have to have that inner belief in yourself. Yeah. And that's what was instilled in me by my parents. And uh, it, it got me to having my first hit record. And then I had two others with Frankie and the Knockouts. Amazing. And of course, today you could have just launched everything right on Spotify or any number of uh, yeah, platforms. Yeah. It's a whole different world today. Back Which then, we you just, really had a hustle just to get someone absolutely. to pay attention. Well, that's that's what we're doing with, uh, with One World. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I wanted to pivot to talk to you about that. So this is a song that was originally recorded by Earth, Wind & Fire. So, and you dusted it off, rewrote the lyrics, Let's start with the Earth, Wind, and Fire. How did they get a hold of this song? And then you what got you to want to record it now? Yeah, back after, uh, in 1988, I, had, uh, I was very lucky to win the Academy Award for Time of My Life. And then I got chosen as one of 25 songwriters to represent the United States to do the first ever Russian and American songwriting summit. So wow. I went to Russia with... Barry Mann, Mike Stoller, Cindy Lauper, Desmond Child, Diane Warren. These are some of the iconic wow. songwriters of our time. And for me to be on that trip, I was like flabbergasted. But I guess Oscar, being my manager, kind of helped me get there. They were and probably so saying that about you. He's the guy that wrote Hungry Eyes at the <laughs> time of my life. <laughs> Who knows? But, you know, we got there and we wrote with 25 Russian songwriters. And so we had to pick out of a hat who we were going to write with. And so I pick out of a hat this uh, blind uh, Estonian whose name is uh, Sergei Manukian, mm -hmm. and his partner was Mick Targa. And so Pamela Philip Olin and myself, the two Americans, wrote with these two Estonians during the glasnost period of, of Russia 
where it was just starting to open up and things were starting to uh, loosen up in Russia and American in America. And so we, we had this deal worked out with uh, the Russian government that we were going to film this whole summit and do a documentary. And by about the eighth or ninth day of this filming, uh, the Russians decided that they wanted to film, that they weren't going to allow us to have it and take it home, and they wanted to profit from us, from it. Uh, and so at that point... Sneaky Russians. Yes, very <laughs> sneaky. And so awesome. at that point, our film crew got in a taxi cab and left and went to Estonia and got on a boat to Finland and took the films. <laughs> and, so, and so here we are leaving Moscow at 12 o'clock to go to uh, Leningrad. And in the middle of the night, around three o'clock in the morning, the train stops and the military get on the train looking for the films. And they pull me off the train and throw me on the ground in three feet of snow, throw me up into a train car and go, well, your papers. <laughs> looking for the films. Wow. And so, they this went from a trip to a lifetime to a nightmare pretty quickly. Well, you know what? They couldn't find the film, so they let us go. Wow. But the end of that story is we end up writing the song One World with these two Estonians. And at the end of the day, there was 50 songs written in those nine days. And we came home and Columbia Records said, okay, we're going to do a record called Music Speaks Louder Than Words. And so they picked 10 songs from these 50. I got two. I've, I really lucked out. Earth, Wind and Fire recorded One World and Cindy Lauper recorded the other song called Cold Sky. And wow. so there was a regime change going on at Columbia. And so they said, you know what? This is the old regime's project. We're going to shelve it. So the Earth, Wind and Fire version of One World never really materialized and it sat there until about three months ago wow. and i am doing a interview like i'm doing now someone said to me us poor american songwriters are really suffering and actors are really suffering what is going to happen with the economy without music i said it's not only america it's the whole world yeah we are living in one world and the light bulb went off and i said you know what i can help my friends by putting this a new version of this song out and uh, giving it to charity. So I have four charities, the uh, Musicians Foundation, the Actors Fund, the First Responders Children's Foundation, mm. and then lastly, the NAACP for uh, social justice. That's awesome. So light bulb just went off and went, oh, one world, that sounds familiar. But you know Maybe what? I'll write a song about that. Oh, wait a minute. I did. <laughs> All right. So you dusted the song. Why don't we roll? You, you brought with a little video clip of the song. Brought with, I mean, virtually have a video clip of the song. So why don't we take a second and watch a piece? We'll be right back. Like you, someone like me, dreaming a dream of what could be. Do we believe, or maybe we do, 
it all comes back to me and you. No matter who we are, there's only one world, one love to share. so many different talents like given that we're all in isolation you have people from all over how did you coordinate this massive effort how did you find the singers get them on board record the whole process tell me about that so i thought that you know having a more up-to-date version that represented what was going on now because i wanted to rewrite some of the lyrics in the second verse so it it worked with both sides of what was going on, the social injustice side, the pandemic side. And so the second verse was rewritten. So that meant that the Earth, Wind and Fire version really didn't work. And so I called up Pamela, Philip Olin, and I said, this is what I'd like to do. Let's rewrite the second verse. Um, so we did, this day will pass, hang on my friend. I know we long to dream again. So think about that. We long to dream again. We long to go out. We long to go to a concert or a restaurant. Right. We long to dream again. Martin Luther King, I had a dream. So it falls in, in a one world situation where it, it brings uh, the spark of music can bring a little hope and peace back into our lives. And that's what this song kind of, I'm hoping does for us to get us to the other side of normal. How did you decide what, I mean, I see like amazing cast of musicians in this piece. How did you get folks to engage and how did they even record with, you know, virtually? That, that's a very good question. Uh, so Pamela said, I have a friend, his name is John Gillitton, and he wrote a song called New Attitude for Patti LaBelle. And he's just a great songwriter. He's a great piano player, keyboard player. He has a studio. Let's call John. So I spoke with John and John was all in, I'm in. And I said, okay, start putting a track together and uh, I'll start looking for singers, but you can do the same. Start looking for singers on your, your end. So he starts sending me these uh, tracks and he goes, oh, this is my friend, John Mayo, who sings with Herbie Hancock. Wow. He, he, he can sing a little bit of it. And I go, oh, well, yeah, well he's damn good. He's really good. And he, and he goes, well, I got some other friends. I'll just keep sending you people. So, you know, then uh, Renee Martin, you know, she uh, worked with David Foster and Patti LaBelle and uh, uh, Doreen Holly, who worked, uh, did the uh, Michael Jackson tour, did the second verse. Ellis Hall, who's um, a singer, a blind singer, who uh, was the original lead singer for 
Tower of Power, if you remember that band. I do remember, I do. Yeah, and so yeah. he's on the second verse. And then finally, this girl, Judith Hill, who was in a movie called 20 Feet from Stardom. And yeah, I, I remember that movie too, it was awesome. Yeah, and she's a finalist yeah. on The Voice and she has a Grammy. So there are really three or four Grammy winners, nominated uh, singers on the track. And then there are the background singers, Lisa Sherman singing. I was going to say, another New Jersey icon, Lisa Sherman, come on. Yeah, yeah she's on it. Um, and then there's uh, actually uh, Michael Mayo's mom, who sings background just on everybody's record. She wow. jumped in there and sang on it. His father played sax on it. So they, these are like iconic players in L.A. Amazing. And, um, if, if you go to the website, there's a whole bio on every one of them. And uh, that's oneworldoursong.com if you want to look into the, Absolutely. the some of the players. And so, you know, John kept sending me these other people, adding their voice to the track. And so that's where we came up with Voices for One World. Because they are the voices for one world. Mm -hmm. And um, they became our group. And there are five lead singers. And uh, they represent. I said, you know what? We don't need anybody else. They did it pro bono. They did it to help others. And that's what this project's all about. Yeah. We are donating every dollar that is donated to us. And once you make your donation, we give you a free download of the song. So I'm oh, giving the song away. And the sync license to the charities. That's great. So in terms of the visual footage, where did that come from? All your B-roll? Yeah, well, Ryan Ward, a close friend of mine working with us on other projects, The Unforgettables and just different projects I had. Uh, just a really good uh, playwright, actor, uh, tech, videographer, just a jack of all trades. And I said, Ryan, I have this idea where we start with the world and then we zoom down, Google down to the earth mm -hmm. and we have people all around the world. So I gave him a storyboard. Got it. And he started building this video for me. He did an unbelievable he job. He really did, it's amazing. Every one of the um, people that sang on the track were either in their bedroom, their basement or their living room sending files amazing. to John Gillotin. And I said to John, you know, I, I have a friend of mine, his name is Bill Schnee. And uh, he goes, you know Bill Schnee? And I said, yeah, well, he produced Frankie and the Knockouts. And he goes, he's like one of the top five mixers in the world. Wow. And he goes, I said, if I could get Bill to mix this, would you take your hands off the board for a second? He goes, you get Bill and I will give you the, all the files. But I'll tell you, there's got to be a hundred or more files. He's going to have a hard time because I'm in the weeds with this thing and I'm having a hard time mixing all these tracks. I said, let me ask Bill. Bill just said, send me the files. In two days, he mixed it in the final product is what you hear from Bill. A hundred yeah. tracks. Remember the eight track days? <laughs> <laughs> the eight track, and that's nothing. <laughs> so what does, what do you hope to accomplish from this? I mean, look, let's face it. It's been a really hard time for artists. You know, there's no yeah. live events. There's no production there's no some of that's starting to come back a little but it, even still very slowly and it could be a long time how are these musicians and it's not just musicians you've got crews and you've got makeup people and hair people and you've got 
production staff and you know the list goes on and on of what it takes to be able to put on these shows and these live events and even uh, in studio recordings i think it's got to be really hard for for this audience for this group right now to make a living what are what are people doing well i think you have two sides of that coin you have people that are starved for entertainment yeah that's it and you have musicians that are starved to play and so you have to start get creative with yourself and get yourself off the couch yeah. and realize that there's a new parameter to how we're going to have to look at ourselves and entertain our fans and some of that is exactly what we're doing now through through um, you know pay-per-views and a lot of these groups now are going into empty theaters with film crews mm. and will do pay-per-views like ten dollars a show and if you get a thousand people you made ten thousand dollars right and you do live pay-per-view some of these people are doing these things now called pop-ups right what, what that means is a lot of these drive-ins and people in parking lots are putting up big screens and people are driving in with their cars and you get three or four people sitting in a car and the next car is six feet away and you have Southside Johnny on stage performing live Amazing. and people sitting in parking lots in their cars. So there'll be a way until we come up with a vaccine mm -hmm. to creatively get ourselves out of the house, musicians out of the house and right. be able to entertain each other and, and kind of give our, our, ourselves and society back to a new, to new type of normal. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I mean, people are just gonna have to be creative. We're seeing that from the IAB perspective, we're seeing that across our industry, like just innovation out of necessity, really. You know, yes. people be, being incredibly creative and finding in some ways the new avenues for generating revenue have actually exceeded the old way they were doing business. You know, It'll become a lot of stories about that. Yeah. So, what would success look like with this initiative? Let's say, you know, six months from now, a year from now, you're looking back. What would you hope to have accomplished? Well, being that I am not a record label, I am a songwriter. So, I have to think about pulling teams of people together and developing these teams that believe in the cause that, that I've put together. And so I, I have a publicist, I have a, a social media person. Um, I have a person that, um, in fact, yesterday I found out that we officially went on the charts. We are number 73 with a bullet. Awesome. Yes. And so that was the start of, after two weeks of airplay. So what a machine would do for me would be a, a sponsor that understands and, and says, you know what, that is a great song and I wanted to represent my product mm. and help get to the other side of normal with you and have people embrace this new, and I, I, I haven't said this, but other radio stations have called the song um, an anthem. This is our yeah. anthem. And so if that could happen and I could find a sponsorship person uh, company that believes in in the song and wants to use it as part of their branding to help people get to the other side of normal. That's really my goal. Yeah, I think that's a, a very realistic goal, actually, because I know there are a lot of 
companies, brands that are saying, what can I do? How can I help? And this is a group that I feel has been almost unfairly overlooked. You know, it's like everyone knows restaurants have struggled. A lot of the small businesses have struggled, but I don't, I don't think there's been as much attention to the, to the arts, the artists who literally live hand to mouth anyway. You know, they're yes. not on anybody's payroll. Very few are any kind of in any kind of consistent pay lifestyle. Any of the vast majority of artists are not. Um, I think people understand Broadway, for example, uh, but there are hundreds of thousands of folks that make a living by performing in local, you know, local clubs and, you know, touring with, with smaller bands or being a backup singer that have no safety net at all. So I think this is Correct. a really worthy and ambitious uh, cause. So how do people donate? How does it work? And where do they go? It's oneworldoursong.com. So tell me how that works. Well, you know, we've built um, a website, Ryan Ward again, who helped me with the video, helped me build a website. And on that website, we have asked, um, we've put all the information with all of the different charities. And so all you have to do is click on the logo of a charity. It takes you to a donation page of a dollar on up to whatever you can afford to do. And as soon as you make that donation, you are turned on to a free download. And so you, you have, you know, the gift of music, which to me, if the spark of hope can come back through a, through a song, through music, because music does speak louder than words. Yes. It, it has its own power and it can heal us as a nation. And we need, this is the time for healing. Yeah. Is this the only way people can get this song, make a donation and you get the song? Um, through, through the website, <clears throat> through Spotify, okay. through Amazon, through iTunes. Okay. You, know, you go to all of those different formats and, and the song is there for purchase and all that streaming goes to the uh, charity. That's awesome. Well, I think it's a fantastic initiative. So... There's a brand out there that this is, has your name on it. Step up, step in. This is a great opportunity to make a difference. Um, I think, you know, how about some parting words? What would you tell artists to stop doing, start doing? You touched on that a little bit, like get off the couch, get out there, be creative. Um, anything else, any advice? I call these my little wow moments, words of wisdom from a legend like Frankie. So what, what, do you, what say you to folks who are sitting at home going, oh, how am I gonna make a living? Well, you have to get creative now and you have to think outside of the box. Yeah. And the, and, and the normal side of what you usually do, um, get with your friends, start yeah. doing, keep your brand alive, do your podcasts, keep, keep yourself visible because when this all ends, you know, your brand will still live. Right. Do not fade away. Do not go away. Yeah. And that, that's what I would say. Keep yourself visible. Keep yourself alive. Keep your music alive. Yeah. And you know what? Now in this day and age, you have ways to do that. Get comfortable with social media. Get comfortable with the tools like Zoom. And, you know, I think that you, I, I think that's incredible advice. Now, what about brands? Parting last words. It's anything you want to say to a brand. You know, stop being on the sideline start putting your money where your mouth is. Well, there's so many, there are so many different products that could benefit 
from once they hear the song and, and realize what these lyrics are saying, that it can, it can you know, kind of be a hailing moment for the nation. It could be um, a moment where this brand has a chance to open its arms to people and embrace you know, people and then people embrace their product because they, they see a connection that, you know what? That brand cares about me. Yeah. And also the song is just so inspiring and the visuals are, you know, it reeks of diversity and just uniting the world. I think it's fabulous. That's what it's all about now. That's what, what the it's all about. Well, Frankie, thank you so much for joining us today. I wish you all the best. I'm going to check in with you in six months, see how we're doing. I can't wait for this to be the next, you know, global anthem for, for change. Uh, thank if you, you want to donate, it's uh, oneworldoursong.com. And I will see you soon, Frankie. Thank you for your support. Thanks. Thank you for doing this. It's an incredible uh, initiative. Absolutely my pleasure. Thank you. All right. And we'll see you. Uh, and tomorrow's IAB there, I am going to be with Carrie Seifer, who's the general manager in North America at the Global World Index, where we will discuss what consumers are thinking about and what do brands need to know. IAB there is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ons, John Ward, and Tafiqua Mohanandan. I'm Cheryl Goldstein. Thanks for watching. Come back tomorrow. If it's 2 p.m. on a weekday, you know it's time to IAB there. And I'm going to leave you with the full version of One World. Don't forget to donate. Thank you and have a great day. And you